we are part of a global family. Uh, we are part of a movement of churches. There's 2,400 plus churches. Can't quite keep track of how many churches there are globally right now. Uh, and those uh, churches are in 60 different nations. And there's a, there's a tremendous diversity uh, within the vineyard. But what, what we share in common is this core of values and beliefs. So if, kind of a summary statement of those core values is this. We're a people of the kingdom of God who partner with the Holy Spirit, experience and worship God, reconcile people with God and all creation, engage in compassionate ministry, pursue culturally relevant mission in the world. So we have five core values. The theology and practice of the kingdom of God, experiencing God, culturally relevant mission, reconciling community, and compassionate ministry. Now, as we live those out, we, ha- we do, as a, as a movement, we have a philosophy of, of ministry. We're called a center-set movement. And what that means is, there, there in the center of that napkin is that black dot. That's where, our, that's where our values and our beliefs reside. So th- that's a pretty hard center. That doesn't, you're not going to see the vineyard changing its values and its beliefs. Maybe tweaking it sometimes. But basically, since we've been in the vineyard since 1989, there's never been a change of value and belief. And the idea is, is we, are, we, we welcome people, come in our door, come, come walk with us. If you want to move towards these values that are at the center of who we are, come along with us. And some of us are close and some of us are not, but, that, but that's, that's what we are. We're not what's called a bounded set, which means you take those values and those beliefs and you make a fence around your community. And then you have gatekeepers that stand at the door and say, tell me the five values of the vineyard. Oh, I can only remember three of them. Well, sorry, you cannot get in today. Okay, tell me what you believe about. Oh, that's not what we believe. So you can't come in today. And then it can get to the ridiculous. Hey, you're not dressed... You're not, I'm sorry, you're not dressed up. So you can't come in today. So a bounded set is, is a community that really spends all of its time deciding who's in and who's out. And it really tries to keep people out that are undesirable. We don't operate that way. We really welcome everybody that wants to come in. If you want to move towards those values, we welcome you. We also, this, this is also help you understand us as a people. We are a both and movement, not an either or. Both and not either or. Now, I, I like to explain that by going back to the Chronicles of Narnia. How many of us are fans of the Chronicles of Narnia? How many of us know that unicorn's name? That's not the New Braunfels High School uniform. That is Jewel the Unicorn. And in the final battle, last battle, Jewel says, Bree hee hee. That's unicorn talk. <laughs> come further up. Come further in. The, whole, the second chapter is, uh, at the end, it's called Further Up, Further In. And as you read, they, they're, they're entering in, they're actually entering into the age to come. They're, they're entering into uh, the king's land when things are all settled, everything is right. 
And so you have a statement that this is, this is both absolutely crazy and wonderful. And you, you scratch your head and think, how can it be both crazy and wonderful? Then you have all of them running, and they're running, and they get faster. And it's like we're running, and we're flying, and we're not running out of breath. How can you do that? How can you both run all out as, you're, as if you're flying, and you're not running out of breath? Those are illustrations of the both and. Well, in some of my reading, I, I am a C.S. Lewis fan, and some of my reading, Charles Williams was in some way, the, the philosophical father of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis really, really respected Charles Williams. And one of the things that Charles Williams, in some of, one of his writings, I couldn't find out where I found it, but I do remember because it's stuck in my head. Everything in the universe moves toward the middle and further up. His understanding was everything in, in our universe moves toward the middle and further up. And that really describes the vineyard well. The vineyard wants both oh, from here and over here. We want to meet in this middle and we want to take a step up. So if you'll notice us, when we try to solve problems, it's not an either-or proposition. Which is, was, I don't know if that's refreshing to you, but that's really refreshing to me, right? Because we live in such a either-or world right now, so polarized on so many things, we get to be free of that. And so the vineyard is this quest for the radical middle. So that, what that really introduces into our life is there's, a, there's most of it, there's a tension because there's a both and. It would be easier if we said either or, but we don't do that. So an example would be in the theology of the kingdom. We believe that the kingdom, as, as, as introduced by Jesus, is both now and not yet. Now turn, it, turn to your neighbor and scratch your head. Okay. Because <laughs> what this introduces into our brain is what's called an antinomy. antinomy. And an antinomy is, is a contradiction between two beliefs or conclusions that are in themselves reasonable. Is it reasonable that the kingdom is now? Yes, because Jesus says that. If I am casting out these de demons by the power of God, the kingdom is here. He said that, right? That's so it's reasonable. At the same time, when Jesus ascended off the planet, there were still people that were demon-possessed. So the kingdom is not yet here because if the kingdom was here now in its fullness, there wouldn't be anybody that was demon-possessed anymore, right? Is that not reasonable? So they seem to be this, this contradiction. They're a paradox, and we have to live with it. This morning, I want to take all of those values and those beliefs and I want to aim them now towards Jesus, kingdom, and kids. And there's a paradox. Are not our kids... Don't our kids live in a both-and world? Our kids don't live in an either-or world. I mean, we, we try to bring them into our either-or world. Does it work very well? Now, what, I mean, there's this power struggle. We try to bring our kids into this either war. It, <laughs> our kids are an antinomy. 
It's like you can say that to your kid now. Hey, child, you're an antinomy. Huh? They'll think they're a little amoeba or something. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 through 16. Jesus went straight to the temple. This is right as he enters Jerusalem, his triumphal entry. He threw out everyone who'd set up, he'd set up shop, buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of loan sharks and the stalls of dove merchants. And he quoted this text as he did it. My house was designed a house of prayer. You have made it a hangout for thieves. So once he boots out these people, there is now room for the blind and the crippled to get in. And they came to Jesus and he healed them. And they weren't the only ones that came in once he cleaned the temple. When the religious leaders saw the outrageous things he was doing, healing the blind and healing the lame, and they heard all the children running and shouting through the temple. Hosanna to David's son! God has shown up and he's saving us by healing the blind and the lame. The religious leaders were up in arms. They took Jesus to task. Do you hear what these children are saying? Not only that, get, get a grip. These kids are running all over the temple and they're too loud. We don't do that. And Jesus said, yeah, I hear him. I sure do. <laughs> and haven't you read in God's word in the Psalms from the mouths of children and babes? I will ordain my praise. I'll furnish a place of praise. See, Jesus made room in the temple for those that were not allowed in the temple. Another way to say that is Jesus made room at the feet of God for those that typically were kept at distance from God. He made room for the blind and the lame. And he made room for kids. The temple would have been a place that was off limits for children. And children sure didn't run through the temple shouting God's praise until this day. You see, Jesus turned the tables on the religious. He displaced the religious racketeers. He, he offended the religious know-it-alls. And he restored his father's house. My house will be a house of prayer where the lame and the blind can come and receive healing because they're being prayed for, be healed in the name of Jesus. And my father's house is a place for kids, for kids to praise God, for kids to run and to shout, Hosanna, our God saves, is what they're shouting. Hosanna, from the mouths of children and babes, I'll furnish a place of praise. And it, it just, again, if you've got to get the contrast, the temple was meant to be that place of praise, but until the children entered it, 
there wasn't praise. So I want our community, you know, if you just, we just got to step right out of Jesus' life, right into life right now. Because if there's anything I want our community doing, I want us to learn from Jesus. And as we learn from Jesus, I want us to live it out. So I, I just want us. I just want to put this out there. We want. I, we, I mean, I'm, I'm including you in this. We want to make room for children, not just make rooms for children. We want to make room for children, and we want to furnish a place for children to praise Jesus. Now, again, we're both and. You got to bring it into the formula at times. Adults and children are going to be in the same room. At other times, we're going to be in different places. We, we already do that. During the teaching time, we know that most kids are not going, to, they're not going to benefit from this time. But they do benefit from the teaching when they're here. We are a community of both adults and children. People ask me every once about our... I keep attendance on us and and people will regularly say well there there weren't there weren't 80 people there there were just 40 people there i said well who are you counting well i'm just counting adults i count kids kids are part of our community why would we not count kids why would we want that why would why would we not want our kids to be part of our community that's nuts we're a community of both children and adults And out of the mouths of our children, many times when they're with us, out of their mouths comes the praise that our God is due. And we're not giving it. They do. And we want to be attuned to that. Another passage, Luke 18, 15 to 17. People begin to bring children babies, infants, young kids to Jesus so that he could put his hands on them, meaning he would lay his hands on them and bless them. Would you bless me? Lay your hand on my kid and call down the blessing of God Almighty on my children. When the disciples noticed it, they discouraged it. They frowned upon it. They rebuked the parents. Or if the child was old enough to come to they said, No, whoa, get back. And Jesus called them to him. Hey! And, and, and part, one of the, he's mad. Uh, uh-uh. I'm a little upset with you. You must let the little children come to me. You must never prevent their coming. The kingdom of God but belongs to one such as these. The kingdom of God belongs. Something's happening with the children in the kingdom. And I tell you, I tell you adults, the man or the woman, the adult who will not accept the kingdom, they will not accept the kingdom of God unless they accept a little child. If you can't accept the kids coming to me, you'll never receive the kingdom now this little again I love to find things that are real this is kind of this is my world Amber wanted me to draw for her here you go 
So you see Jesus, he's got the beard. I don't know why you don't think that other disciples didn't have beards, but Jesus has the beard. And then the guy with the funny hat and the kid with the big bow tie, they're coming to be, they're, they're coming to be blessed. And there's all the disciples. I, how many are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's twelve of them standing there saying, No! And the rest of the, you know, you know, go away. Isn't that great? That communicates, doesn't it? Now there's a, there's a reason why the disciples had that attitude. It had to do with the status of children in the first century. If you can follow along, great. If you can't, let me read this. Although it, it's easy to romanticize about children with respect to this pericope, that's this tale, this story out of Jesus' life, such qualities as innocence, openness to the future, trusting, are not the first ones that come to mind when reviewing general perceptions of children in the first century. We've already noted the high mortality rate about young children. Added to this is the simple observation that children were viewed as not adults. They might be valued for their present or future contribution to the family business, especially in an agricultural context, but otherwise children possessed little if any intrinsic value as human beings. Luke's phrase, even infants were being brought to Jesus, draws attention to the particular vulnerability of the smallest of children, perhaps accounting for the widespread practice of infanticide and child abandonment. And thus... For the susceptibility of the infant as a particularly effective example of the lowliness accentuated in verse 9 through 14. Little children translates a term used for household slaves and children, those maintained in a relationship of subordination in a Greco-Roman household. Against this cultural horizon, the response of the disciples is easily understood, even justifiable. Why should Jesus' time be taken up with persons of such little importance, especially when the rich young ruler is the one that's next in line to visit with Jesus? So in the disciples' world... In the first century, the Greco-Roman world, children had no intrinsic value. They weren't adults. So why should Jesus bless them? That's what's going through their head. But Jesus said, no, that's not how I work. That's not how my kingdom works. That's not what God wants. Let them come. Don't hinder them. I want to touch children. I want to bless them. My, my kingdom. They're going to illustrate something about my kingdom that I really want you to understand. So Jesus is saying through these kids, we receive the kingdom in the same way that we would receive our children as the honored guest. The kingdom 
may not seem to have any intrinsic value at all. The kingdom might seem to be of little importance, but if you will receive it, it's going to expand. And the way you can show me that you can receive a kingdom in that state is by embracing your kids. Receive them. Because they have great value to me. So as a community, man, we want to embrace and bless our children. Here's a suggestion. If you already don't have a child that is your weekly friend, you may not see that child. You may not know the family that that child belongs to, but you see that child on a regular basis on a Sunday morning. I want to suggest that everybody in our community pick out a child and every week welcome that child by their name every time we gather as a community. Now sometimes what if it's a little kid, sometimes you got to do this. Hey, good morning. I'm get down on their level. And if if I I mean if I was that short and to some of you I am I mean I don't like doing this uh, I don't know Now you probably want to ask you know if the parents don't know you you probably want to you know I mean I I think we're pretty good you know we know each other and we we're we're we understand realities of life but I, I have a child friend, and their family knows me, and I know them. So beyond saying her name, I give her a huge hug every time I see her. I would suggest, you know, you might want to, if you don't know the family, you might want to, you know, visit about that. You know, is it okay for me to give your kid a big hug? Because some of us might not want that, and that's okay. Both and, Right? You, you want to know what I think about that exchange between me and a child? When that child is 30 years old, they probably are not going to, they're not going to remember much about what happened in their education. They'll remember stories. But I can guarantee they will remember. There was an adult. They might not even remember the name of that adult. But there was an adult that validated me as a child. They welcomed me by name. They hugged me. They communicated to me that God loves me. It's one of the, it's one of the most simple things, but one of the most profound things that you and I can do with our kids. We want to welcome not just adults that walk through our door, You know, again, what's, when we do that, what's going on in their hearts? The adults can contribute in some way to our ministry. Those kids can. It's kind of like, I, I mean, it's kind of like, I, I kind of keep track of, will there someday be a church in San Marcos that looks at college students and says, you know, they don't have a lot of money. 
So they're probably not going to give a lot. They're going to use a lot of toilet paper. (laughs) But you know what? We want them here. Because we know their potential. We want to welcome both the children and the adult. Not Not because of what we get from people. But what we can give. And we want both children and adults to enter as fully as we can right now the rule of God. Jesus in charge of our lives. Because that's when life is lived at its best. Can I say something? You just said that we don't want it because of what we can get from people. But the truth is we can't get everything we need if we don't have our kids. So we do want them to care for what we can get. We can't be whole. We can't fellowship fully. And Christ just made it very clear that we can't enter the kingdom unless we watch them. I mean, obviously, we're not here with them. So we, we do want them here because of what we can get from them. Because they, they don't just take from us, they do get, and we want to receive them. Yeah. So that, I think that's what Jesus is saying to us as a community. And I do, I, with everything that I am, um, we don't want to miss this season. <laughs> this is like an incredible season. I mean, who would have ever thought that Bryant would be holding his daughter at the sound booth? And, you know, and she's now our kid. And we want to care for her and love her and show Jesus to her. So each and every one of us in some way can contribute to what we're doing with our kids. Some of us can be on the front line. Some of us, you know, we can be in the classroom. We love being in the classroom. We love to teach kids. Other of us can't do that. Moms... We, we want to be sensitive to moms. Some, you know, moms of our, they, yeah, I know you need a break. We're trying to figure that out. We're not, we're not trying to be insensitive to moms that need a little bit of, you know, time away. I, I just need some time away from my kids. Oh, I understand, I understand that. So we're trying to do all that. But we got to do it together as a community based upon what Jesus would teach us. So would you like to stand with me? Holy Spirit, I would ask that right now that you would just impress the name or the face of a child on on every one of our Let the children come. Don't hinder them. As you would receive a child, so you will receive the kingdom of God. 
Jesus, we thank you for this incredible season in the life of this community. We thank you that you've given us so many wonderful gifts in our children. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that in our weakness, that you would make us strong. That with our fears, you would comfort us and give us confidence. That you would, by the Holy Spirit, anoint us for this season of ministry to our children. We receive your help. We can't do it without you. We can't do it without each other. So we receive help to take advantage of this wonderful season and to bless you because you're the one that's given it to us. Again, in the spirit of stewardship, Lord, we want to steward well the children that you've entrusted to us. And we bless you in your name. Amen. So thank you for our time together. Uh, we'll kind of uh, mix and mingle a bit. The kids will come. Uh, and uh, we'll kind of shift gears and have our lunch for those that are staying. And thank you very much.